0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: You really see like that. It's not only about you going into these communities and doing the things that you think that they need. What they need is not sometimes is nothing like what you've expected. And you don't ever know that until you do a deep dive into them and ask them like, hey, how can I help you? Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the
0: life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to grow, build, and protect minority wealth and Today, we're going to do something a little different. We actually have a ton of great episodes in our archives. Since the inception of the show, I've had the pleasure of talking to so many phenomenal people, and I want their information and the strategies and tips and mindset that they have to be shared with the world, and I don't want it to be buried in the past, right? So today is Flashback Friday Featured Edition. And I hope you enjoyed the message from one of our previous guests because it's really so impactful and you need to take a listen. We'll see you next time for our regularly scheduled episodes, but stay tuned for today. Hey guys, so we're back again. This is the second part of the episode with today's guest. I need you, if you have not heard part one, Go back to the previous episode and listen to that first and then come back and join us here today. But you're not going to want to miss what they already said because then you'll be lost with what they're about to say. But in any case, you don't want to miss the whole, you need to hear the whole conversation. This is why we split it into two parts. There's so many nuggets. It's so juicy. Go back and listen to the first part. So on the active side, what have you done on the active side? And then we'll get into your company and why you founded your company and who you're trying to help there. Yeah, for sure. So I guess in
1: multifamily I've gotten into or I guess on the active side, that's what you'd ask. So on the active side, I have a rental that that you're very well familiar with that was like a full Gut rehab renovation fun journey. We'll put it Super that way. Fun. Super fun, <laughs> but it's cash flowing. It's stabilized. That was a Burr deal, and yeah. So, oh, I guess Burr. So it stands for buying, and then you rehab, you rent, and then you do like a refinance, and then sometimes there's an extra R at the end for repeating. If you are looking for that extra journey again. <laughs> gosh. So yeah, let's just say that was a super fun experience, but I learned a lot and it's cash flowing and stabilized. So I'm happy on that. So we had that. And then I also own some property just like inner city Houston that I'm going to do like a small development on probably a duplex. So I've been drafting out plans and working with a builder on that to kind of get that going. And then on the active side as well, have done like a joint venture in a short-term rental development, which you and I are partners on, so partners excited about that on, yeah. with some other ladies, and then also apartments. So I've done a deal out in Columbia, South Carolina, and another one in Mobile, Alabama, and then we're going to about to start a 91 unit for a deal that's out in Georgia. So. Yeah. So basically I'm kind of growing in the apartment world and just doing a little bit of the, you know, the small multifamily slash single family stuff on the side.
0: Nice. But that means you're like well diversified within the bubble of, you know, real estate. Cause there's so many different strategies and routes you could go within there. This is like never ending, but yeah. So, okay. Now let's pivot and talk about wicked holdings tell them about that is your company what's the name about and then what is the mission of your company and what are you trying to accomplish through there so wicked holdings
1: is a company that i founded back in 2021 january 2021 still a little bit of a baby it's about a year and a half old and wicked so i'm from canada so Canada, they're like up North, like the words wicked and like stoked, like we say things like that. And it means, it just means like awesome. So <laughs> when I thought of like my company, I was like, you know what? Like I want to meet other awesome people and I want my company to embody just awesomeness. And so that's where Wicked Holdings comes from. And we are a company that focuses on empowering others and I'm big on like social impact investing. So everything that's kind of on the residential slash like small multifamily side. So not where I have like private, you know, I'm raising private equity or have other investors in on the deal. This is just like family stuff for me and, you know, my kids and my husband. But that is where I go into like distressed communities, inner city Houston. And I like to invest in there because I like to get to know the residents. I like to provide Great housing for them where, you know, it's been a problem in these distressed communities where you see a lot of homes that are like falling apart and they just like have been neglected for so long. Yet there's people that are living in there with like no heat, no electricity, no running water, and they're still paying like market rents. And it's just like, why are you doing that? And you feel bad because you're like, okay, well, as the tenant, they should know better. But then at the same time, they don't because that lack of financial literacy skills has really just held them back. And so that's why I go into those communities because I'm like, okay, well, you know, like for example, as, as a realtor, you have the fiduciary duty to take care of your people that you are showing homes to and making sure that they are buying something that is like a smart buy and hopefully that they're listening to you. Well, as a real estate investor, we have a fiduciary duty towards our tenants to make sure that they're living in homes that are not falling apart and that have heat and have running water and have like more than four walls, you know? And so that's why I specifically go into there. And it's just to, you know, improve the community, uplift the community. I like to talk to the residents about financial literacy. I like to just help them out. And I also... Whenever there's like other little jobs, like for example, when we were doing the rehab and I needed like the lawn and stuff done in between that time, instead of hiring like the guys that come out and do like our lawn out here in like the suburbs, I had found someone that was local that lived in the area and got to know him. And so now I have him do the lawns and stuff that are in that area as well. And it's just like a little side, you know, side like hustle and stuff for him. But I know that it makes a difference because I can pay him probably way more than what other people are paying. And I know that because I was like, name your price. And one thing that I really want to start doing is like when I go out and I'm meeting other people that are in the community that are like asking me, or I've got them like for different jobs or whatever, I can just ask them and say, like, what's your highest bill? And I mean, their highest bill is probably not going to be anywhere near what our highest bill is. Maybe it's a hundred bucks. Like, I don't know. But what's a hundred dollars? Right. So instead of, you know, maybe a job doing the lawn might cost me 50 bucks. If they tell me, oh, my highest bill is like 100, then I'd just be like, okay, well, here's 100 bucks. That goes towards like your highest bill. Like, here you go. It's nothing for us to go out there and try to make a difference and improve the lives of other people. And so that's why I focus on communities that are like that.
0: Wow, that's very impactful. I love that. And even just thinking of taking that, because even when I'm hiring people for, you know, my own properties, or specifically the one that I'm self-managing, just going and asking, you know, what's your highest bill or what price do you want? And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. funny, I go back and I think about it for a guy that I did hire to help with like the garbage removal from like the tenants and putting that out to the the street. So I asked him one time, I just said, you know, how much do you want? Cause I inherited him from the seller and -hmm. he was paying a certain amount per month. And so that just kind of continued with me throughout and the seller like, oh, don't worry, you, gotta, you don't got to pay a lot. You don't got to pay a lot, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. so we had just gone into that routine where he was doing the same thing all the time, but he was very reliable, great, hard worker. It was never like issues. You know what I mean? And then when I finally moved from and I would give him like every year I would increase it and then it would be for the same for the year I'd increase it a little bit. But then, when I was moving, I was telling him, "Look, I'm going to need more extra eyes on the place. You're already coming by a lot, so you know what would you want?" And the price was like quadruple what I had been paying him. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, "Man!" But then I thought about saying, "You know what? I should have actually probably been paying him that the whole time. Like, I wish he would have asked or said something to me earlier." And I don't know because I never asked him. But as soon as I asked him, then he did. You know what I mean? Because he's a lifesaver. And right now, he actually retired, but he got me somebody else to take his place who's doing the same, you know? So it's like those communities, when you treat people right. And, you know, he, and I made sure that his payments would be on pay, So it would get electronically deposited to him every month. Like, so he didn't have to wait. You know what I mean? If he's mm-hmm. taking, if he's doing what he needs to do on time and really taking care of helping me take care of the property, then I need to take care of him, you know, on time. People shouldn't be waiting for payments, but yeah. So that was a whole divergent thing, but sorry about that. No, that's no, anyway, good. Yeah, I love I love the whole social impact and being very intentional and purposeful about where you're investing and why but still reaching out into other asset types within the real estate. So you're like well-rounded. So you still get to do what you want to do to create change in communities, but then you can still be involved in these other projects that can probably help elevate your family's, you know, living in financial future and generational wealth too. So right. it's all like a combination. Listen, I know you've been digging in, studying everything you can, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, even going to meetups. You basically have a degree from YouTube University, right? but you still feel stuck. You don't know how to actually implement what you've learned. You're nervous about taking the next step. So I've decided to start the Microfamily Investing Accelerator. This is a mentorship program where I personally guide you through my five proprietary pillars. So you can learn how to buy your first commercial multifamily property and scale while not biting off more than you can chew by focusing on five to 20 units. That's what I call microfamily. And so you can also get hands on guidance from an experienced microfamily investor who's been right where you are. And so you can also create the cash flow needed to give you freedom and options to build the abundant life that you were destined to live. So I'll be limiting the first cohort because they'll have direct access to me and I will be heavily invested in their success. If you're ready to grab 2023 by the horns, schedule a free discovery call with me today. The link is in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show.
1: It's funny that you say that too about the person, the previous seller that told you like, oh, like you don't have to pay him much, like you don't have to pay him much. Because the same thing happened to me with the guy with the lawn. So when I was taking over this house and like before I had actually purchased it, the wholesaler was taking care of the yard for me. So again, it's like he didn't have to do that, but it was really nice of him to do that. And so when I had kind of taken over, I was like, Hey, I know you've been using a guy that's in the area. Like what's his contact information and how much does he charge? Cause I was just curious, you know? And uh, so he told me, and I was like, dang, like that's not very much for like a yard that size, but okay. And so I had told him that and he's like, he goes, Oh well, yeah. Like they don't need much. He's got a very like fair price. And I'm like, It's not about them needing that much as much as it is like, dude, you're making a fee on this. You could have paid him more than that. So that's kind of how I knew like what he had been like paid before. And I made sure to like go pretty well above that percentage wise. And then also too, in talking to, I went to like an open house in one of the areas that I was investing into. And I saw that across the street, there was like a bunch of houses that had just been built. So they were doing like a, a build to own kind of, not even a community. It was maybe like six houses, like all in a row, but it was kind of sad. Cause you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, there's six brand new homes. And then across the street, they're all like raggedy and falling down. Like, ugh. and so I noticed being at one of these events that the lady across the street that lived in one of those homes that was like falling apart was there. And she looked like very uncomfortable And I don't know, you know how I am. I like to kind of read people and really kind of, I don't know, I just notice things about people. And so I noticed that there was something a little bit off. And so I went purposefully to go and try to like connect with her and whatnot. And and I got some pretty good insight as to like how the community was feeling, how she was feeling about all of like the changes and stuff that were happening, where she came from and what kind of work and stuff that she was doing. And it's just, man, like you really see like, that it's not only about you going into these communities and doing the things that you think that they need. What they need is not, sometimes is nothing like what you've expected. And you don't ever know that until you do a deep dive into them and ask them like, Hey, how can I help you? What is the issue? Like, what are you most scared about? I already know. Like they're all scared about being displaced and they're all scared about like, increased rent. And now they've got to go like move into another neighborhood that has like no infrastructure and no government funding or anything. And they're kind of like being kicked out. So it's like, okay, well, how can we either avoid the displacement or find like a happy medium? And that goes to talking to the residents and figuring out what they need. And I think that more of us investors need to do that because we lose sight of that sometimes.
0: Yeah, that is super, super powerful talking to the residents because that will guide what you need to be doing as an investor, especially as an impact investor and not following the status quo of investing because there's status quo everywhere, right? And so even in the investing world, it's always about like value add, but value add also kind of indicates, you know, increasing rents drastically sometimes if they're not to market, but then How is that affecting the residents and people of the area? Like they have to move out because now they can't afford it anymore. Like a place they were in for 10 years or whatever the case is. But I love taking that experiences and that mindset of trying to find that happy medium. Like where can you still increase some returns, especially for yourself and your investors? Because it's still like it's not charity, but you still don't want to just displace. So. I think there's a lot of people trying to come up with the answers for that, but keeping that at the forefront, I think is very important.
1: Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to find those answers, but I mean, you sometimes just come across it, just even driving for dollars and just pulling over and talking to the neighbors. Yeah. And I think that that's like a piece that I learned from my dad early on. Like, We grew up in Canada and we lived there for like almost 20 years, I'd say almost 20 years but my family's from Louisiana. So like the way that my brother and I grew up in upper middle class was like totally different than, you know, how some of my other family had grown up. And so going back home and visiting, we really saw like a different way of life and a different way of living. And I think that's why I've become like a bit of a chameleon where I can kind of blend in to, you know, highly like affluent type, you know, environments and speak that sort of language. And then I can go into kind of like rougher areas as well and kind of speak their language. And I think that stems from childhood, just rolling around and like, I will say some of them were project areas and pulling over and seeing like my dad just talked to everyone, like everyone knew him and whatnot, but he was an engineer, like professionally trained. So it's not that, you know, he was part of that, but I don't know. It's a piece of where I'm from, I guess. You yeah. Could say.
0: It makes you comfortable even going into those areas. So it's not like you feel like, oh, you got to clutch your pearls, you know? Right. Um, And that is where you can create the impact. Because like you said, if you were scared, you wouldn't be able to get out your car and talk to people and get on and really like connect with them. So Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Wait, wait, don't go yet. Have you been looking for a way to get started in real estate investing, but you just don't know how? You Need the Launchpad It's brought to you by my company, Northwest Holdings. And the Launchpad is a free guide with a ton of resources I've compiled to help you invest into your first real estate syndication. It includes terminology, book resources, video explanations, all the information that you need. Don't know what a syndication is? I got you covered. How to find a good operator. How to even tell if a deal is good or not without having to know how to underwrite it all. It's all in there. The Launchpad is designed to help launch you into the next stage of your investing career and get you invested into your first multifamily syndication as a passive investor, meaning you can be a landlord and own a piece of a large apartment building, but still go about your day-to-day life without having to stop and learn every single detail about what's under the hood and how it all works. The link to the guide is in the show notes. Make sure you sign up today. Again, this is a free resource and guide, and if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. Now let's finish up the show. Yeah. So we are wrapping up now. I'm going to be asking you my final questions that I ask every guest and Warren Buffett said that diversification is protection against ignorance. What do you take that to mean? Like is diversification good or bad? Should you be doing or should you not be doing what kind of ignorance are you protecting against?
1: I think that you can only diversify into assets or things that you are familiar with or that you've educated yourself on. Like for me, I would have no business, no right way of even thinking if I like all of a sudden decided I'm going to go invest in art or I'm going to go invest in NFTs. Like I do not know a damn thing about like either of those things. So why am I doing that? But I know about real estate and I know about stocks and I know about that sort of stuff. So I can invest in that sort of stuff. But when I see like Bitcoin mining and all that stuff, that is ignorance to me because I don't know anything about it. It's not calling anyone ignorance. Just, I don't know anything about it. And it would be ignorant of me to invest in something that I have like no clue
0: what it means. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's part of his thing because he's like never lose money, but how do you not lose money? You need to know what you're investing in. You have to, you know, have some information on that. Okay, great. I love that answer. Okay. So, have you played Monopoly before? Yes, I
1: play Monopoly Junior.
0: <laughs> I guess I guess that counts. I've not played Monopoly Junior, so I don't even know if they have the same ones. But Boardwalk versus Baltic Avenue. So the most expensive property versus the cheapest property. Which one are you buying in your strategy to win, and why? And I
1: can only buy one. Okay, so I have a follow-up question on that. With the one that is the least expensive, is that- Wait, wait, you are the
0: only one who has ever asked me a follow-up question (laughs) to that question. Really? Yes. Okay, what's the follow-up
1: question? I want to know if this is a D-class neighborhood, a (laughs)
0: C-class neighborhood. I want to know. (laughs) No, you have to make your own assumption of what type of neighborhood that is.
1: Why? Well, that's like investing in like a class a, a like a property in an A neighborhood that's like super expensive. I don't know. I want the one that's like appreciating, not already like at its highest point, but I can't invest in the little one. If it like the cheapest one, if it's like in a shitty neighborhood,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that one girl. Okay. You got to make your own assumptions. Tell me what the criteria is okay. around the property and oh. why you bought it. Okay. Okay. I can do that. I can make assumptions. <laughs> okay.
1: So if I am investing in the one that is like the cheapest one, but the area is changing, I'm making the assumptions that is, this is not a D-class neighborhood because I don't invest in those. C-class sure. But I want some change that is signaling that there's going to be some sort of appreciation with this asset. I don't want to buy it if it's like forty grand and ten years from now it's also worth forty grand or maybe twenty grand. Like that's. But not what if buy. it's forty grand, but it, it cash flows a grand a month? Okay, well then that is a different story because then I can leverage that huge cash flow to go buy that asset that's more expensive. So then I get both. So, okay, if I'm making that assumption that that one is cash flowing really well and the other one is not, it's just straight up appreciation, then I'll go for the one that's cheaper
0: and okay. leverage that to buy more. Jeez Louise, you know, this to be like a fire round. <laughs> well, you already know me. I told you I was an accountant
1: back oh in the day. My so goodness, that is
0: definitely your accountant brain coming out. Okay. So... All right, this is a new question that I need to start asking. I just came across this, I heard somebody else say it, and I thought it was fantastic. So you are the first person that's getting this question. Okay. In the next six months to a year, what is the one thing that you are focusing on or the one resource that you would need to catapult your business or personal or whatever your life, any of your, one of your major goals? What is the one thing that you would need to catapult that to the next level? I would say I need more revenue that's coming
1: in. I would say revenue just so that I can, because you know, like as you're starting a business, you're wearing like literally a thousand hats. And I feel like I might have 2000 on my head right now. And how do you grow if you are doing everything? And I'm getting to that point like today where I wrote down like, oh, I have a couple of things, a couple of projects that I was like, okay, I could use a VA for this, but I can't like not pay them. So having some revenue that's coming in, that's consistent that I can then use to start hiring, whether it's an EA or hiring a virtual assistant to help me with some of the things that are like very monotonous, the things that I don't really just want to do that are kind of like admin type projects and whatnot that are keeping me from doing more of like the high dollar projects, I guess you could say.
0: Okay. So Mm -hmm. basically like capital to hire assistant.
1: Yeah, I have like, a thousand hats on right now and I don't have any more arms. So I need someone else. I need some extra yeah. arms.
0: <laughs> well, your bun is high enough to hold the, the hats. Can go like this. That's why I <laughs> made it. I, I did this right before I interview. I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to raise my hair up because I got a couple extra hats that yeah, I got to put on hats, later yeah. on. Oh man. Okay. This was great. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. And can you tell the listeners how they can best reach out to you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for having me on,
0: friend. I'm excited to
1: have been here. The best way that you can get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. So under Nicole Gauthier, and that's spelled G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R. Or you can head onto my website at w.wicked-holdings.com. And there is where you can like learn a little bit more about me if you care to do so. And you can find out more about the investor process as well as like my free guide. And you can book a call with me there too. So it's easy to get a hold of me.
0: Perfect. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. So everyone just go down, scroll below and click on the link and get connected with Nicole. I'm sure she's more than happy to tell you, talk to you, help you on your journey, you know, share her resources or anything that can help you in your journey to building wealth. Absolutely. So that Thank you, again. a wrap. Bye. Thanks. Did you
1: love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified.